Welcome everyone to your ongoing journey or leap into a new world of opportunity. Inside Japan podcast is a stepping stone for your next adventure. It is a show filled with informative interviews, perspectives on local life, and how you can master your path into the unknown. For today, kick back and listen to the wisdom of our host, James. James here coming at you with episode number 33 of the Inside Japan podcast. Thanks as always for tuning in. And thanks to our sponsors, JobsInJapan.com, and the Patreon supporters out there. Got a good one for you this week, guys. It's an interesting story of someone that is, has done two things interesting, actually. The first thing he's done is found his way out of English teaching into many other jobs that aren't teaching in Japan through his time in Japan, which is kind of cool. And hopefully we can learn a thing or two about how he made that transition and how you can hopefully emulate that. And also, he found a way to pick up some extra cash on the side doing something that seemingly everyone can do. He makes it sound very easy. So it's worth it, maybe worth it for you to investigate and try to see if you can emulate him that way as well. Um, Purposely being vague here because, hey, I want you to listen to the episode, right? So without further ado, let's get to it. My interview with Mitch. Enjoy. Guys, a very special guest. His name is Mitch Davis, and he's doing some cool things in Japan. How you doing tonight, Mitch? Hey, I'm pretty good, pretty good. Thanks for coming on the show today. So there's two reasons I had you on the show, of course. One is that you were doing a job that is not teaching in Japan as a foreigner in Japan. And also, you were doing a side business that I think is uh, interesting, to say the least. You seem to be doing well with that. So would you agree with both those statements? You're doing both those things. Right? I'm not lying, right? Yeah, it's correct. Yeah, yeah. so I work um, full-time, but I'm also doing something else on the side as well. I've been doing it for a couple of years, so... And you, you you would describe this as something ever, anyone could do? Yeah, yeah. It's, you just have to learn how to do it, and then, yeah, you can get into it pretty much. So, yeah. All right, sweet. There you go. That's a little tease for everyone. So let's start with the, <laughs> the stuff. Uh, you know, you've been in Japan a long time now, so how did you kind of get to Japan? What was your – why did you want to come to Japan in the first place? What was your window here? How did you get here? Uh, that question cracks me up. It's such a classic question. Um, yeah, I've, I've been here about almost 10 years now, and – I first came when I was 19 on a working holiday. Okay. And I worked out in um, Gunz, uh, no, Gunma in a place called Manza Onsen Hoteru. And I was um, snowboarding in the day and then um, working as a waiter by night. <clears throat> and then did that. And uh, yeah, I had I had no idea about the, um, the country. I just came to snowboard, but I fell in love with the place. So I decided once I came back to New Zealand, I'd um, study a little bit of Japanese and then probably go back to Japan in the future. And uh, here I am, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, that's not, kind of the New Zealand to Japan link is huge, right? There's like a, a million skiers and snowboarders that come every year, right? Yeah, well, it's just the snow here is so awesome, you know, So <clears throat> compared to New Zealand snow. so. <laughs> All right, so then you got to Japan there, and you kind of were kind of a visa waiter. And I'm, I'm guessing you're working in a place where you could just speak English, and it's fine, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, They're pretty accepting towards foreigners. They ex- want they try to invite foreigners to come over in the winter season. They seem to like it. So, yeah, I, I couldn't speak any Japanese at all. So, yeah, I've managed to get by. So Okay, so then you kind of had, hey, I like it, Japan that much. I want to work here. So what kind of steps did you take back then to, to you know, find work that wasn't just being a waiter? Um, oh, yeah, I, I did that for four months, finished my um, snowboarding trip, came back to New Zealand. Once I graduated university, um, I basically did what – um, a lot of people do. I went, came back to Japan and just started teaching as a um, an ALT. Okay, was this yeah. any, with a big company or is a private thing? Uh, a classic place called a good old Interac. <laughs> okay, well that's a, the hot topic, of course. <laughs> what would you overall? Let's not get into individual stories or anything. Uh, what yeah. would you? What would you? How would you rate your time with Interac? I worked there as well myself, and I didn't have any problems. But what did you think uh, about okay. it? Yeah, it's all right. It's I think it's each to their own. At the end of the day, I just kind of did my own thing and. Um, yeah, I didn't, I, I can't really complain about it because I, I kind of, I had good schools. I think that was the key. If you have a good schools as well, it helps a lot. So 
I got on for everyone at my school. I was going with the teachers and the kids. So yeah, it was, it was all right. Okay, so you were ALT for four years, but that time had to end. So what was what led into that uh, ending? Yeah, well, it was never, it was never my intention to do to work there for that long in the first place. But um, time goes pretty quick, especially with ho school holidays and things like that. But um, yeah, I always wanted to get into kind of business and things like that. So I um, yeah, made the decision to stop teaching English altogether in Japan, and then um, yeah, ended up changing jobs and moving into a Japanese company after that. So. <laughs> yeah, you made that sound way too easy, my friend. So, what kind of step? What did you do to make that jump? That's a that's a big chasm. That's a jump from teaching to not teaching, right? So, what did you do to make that happen? How were you studying Japanese when you were in LT? Were you taking that seriously? What kind of how'd you find yeah. the job? Tell us about that stuff. Yo, I studied a bit of Japanese at university, and then when I came here for my first few years, I, I kind of realized, you know, my level was pretty bad, even though I just studied a bit. So I tried to just study my own time, and then when I was looking for a new job, um, yeah, I, I don't know if I was lucky or not, but I just looked on classic old, um, what's it called, a uh, Gaijin Pop, found a job for um, a car exporting company. Applied and uh, managed to get the job, basically. So. <laughs> wow! So this, did, did, how would your Japanese level? If you know the JLPT, was it at N two and three? Was it was it not that good at all? How what was your Japanese level? Um, oh, I have N two, but I I didn't even when the time I applied for the job, I hadn't even taken the test before. I just they just kind of had a quick kind of um chat in English, and they kind of chatted to me in Japanese as well, and then yeah, and then it seemed to be a decent enough level, so. That was fine. Okay, so now you're in the car exporting. And I've had a, interviewed someone that had that job before as well, and uh, you know, it's like it, it kind of a sales heavy job to, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah, you could say that. Yeah. Could you can you expand on that? Is it pressurized, as in you get paid as much as you sell, or do you have a standard rate? How does it work? Um, yeah, well, there was commission based, but we had um a base salary as well. So yeah, obviously it's it's a pretty competitive um job. You know, you're competing against your peers and things like that. So yeah, you've got to be putting up numbers at the end of the day to um <clears throat> to do to do well, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what kind of then you obviously didn't like that forever because you're not there now. So what kind yeah. of how long were you there? What made you leave? Uh yeah, I was there about three over th over three years, about four years there. And uh, yeah, just I was I was getting over it to be honest. I was I kind of got tired of um, dealing with some of the customers and things like that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just um had enough. I decided to change it up, and I decided to start looking at other jobs. And then I started um uh going through interviews and things like that. And then jumped into another Japanese company that was. Uh, I didn't like that very much because that was like real Japanese. That was they were pretty strict and um. Yeah, I didn't last very long there. Only about about less than a year, I think. Then I decided to change jobs again. So, <laughs> okay. Well, you made that sound easy again. So hold on, let me stop you. What? Uh, what? How did you find this job? What kind? You found you said got, you got these interviews. That's not easy for a lot of people. So how did you find these interviews? Uh, through um, what do you call it? Uh, recruiting agency. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can't remember the name now. It was a while back, but <clears throat> yeah, they they just kept giving me offers to see if I was interested. And then I thought, you know, try, I was, you know, you. Interviews are pretty tough, but you just the more you do them, the more you get better at them, and then you can kind of prepare. And so, <clears throat> eventually, I was able to uh, do pretty well in the final one, and uh, yeah, get the job. So yeah, so then you got a job, and you said it's rural Japanese style, and you didn't like that as well. You, over time, all that kind of stuff, staying late. Yeah, and... yeah, it was just like I'm um, a white collared like um, prison, pretty much. It was pretty horrible. So, <laughs> so but what did you get the benefits of? Was was it a lot of money there or something, or no? Oh uh, yeah, it was okay. It wasn't spectacular, but um. 
Yeah, well, it was still an import-export um, kind of based company. That's one of the reasons why I was able to get in as well. So, <clears throat> but I just, yeah, I just couldn't stand the environment to be honest. So I had to leave. <laughs> okay, so now again, we're going to another job change. So, like, tell us, talk, walk us through this one. Okay, and then I got a job at a company called um, Cy Games. I don't know if you've heard of that. Oh yeah, the big big mobile gaming company. I believe yeah, yeah. yeah. I, the reason I got that job was just because um, a contact, a friend that I have that works there, he used to work with me for the old X, or the um, the car uh, car company. So he introduced me, and then I started working with him. <clears throat> yeah, and I stayed there for a year, and then I recently got invited to. A uh, new job now, so I just started a new job uh, just a, about three or four months ago now. So it's been a pretty uh, jumpy kind of uh, last few years, but yeah, place I'm at now, I'm pretty happy with. So <laughs> yeah, so you're you're obviously you're definitely a serial job hopper, which um, people say is a good thing because you can always you know keep trying new things till you find what you're really good at. Uh, so why yeah. do you th what what kind of advice would you give someone out like because you obviously you've jumped to a lot of different careers, I guess, too, you know? So what kind of, what do you think makes you successful in these interviews and finding the next job? Is there anything you can share with us about that? Um, I think, it, like I said, it just takes kind of practice and um, experience, you know, the more, especially in Japanese, because it can get pretty stressful when you don't know what the interviewer is saying and things like <laughs> that. So, but if you get, if you've got a good recruiter as well, they can kind of prep you on questions to kind of prepare for and things like that. So <clears throat> And I think sometimes you just got to go in there and not take it too seriously as well. If you can, if you can do that, you can relax and you can respond a bit better and act like more of a, a person instead of a robot. I think so. Yeah, you, I mean, you come off very chill. I think you'd agree with that, right? So, <laughs> yeah. do you take this same can? Uh, that's the word. Candor is the word. I don't think is that you take the same personality in the interviews. You think you still have to stay this kind of chill in the interviews? Yeah, well, I think. It's, yeah, I think this is basically how I acted in the interviews, to be honest. So, but because when I was working at the car um, company as well, I had to, I was on the opposite side. I had to interview a few people as well. So, you kind of get um, kind of if you can kind of know what it's like on that side, it's kind of um, you can kind of I don't know. It's you kind of know what you want to say if you're the interviewer or the interviewee kind of thing. So, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> so, and one another thing I want to ask is kind of. When you're doing these jumps, do you always have the safety net there? Have you ever just jumped and said, I'll find something like that? Oh, you no, always know? I, I, I always make sure I've got a job lined up before I move on to the, before I moved on to the next one. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I can tell from your, your Skype icon, you're married and have a family. So what do, what do they think about that? Because that's something we're going to talk <laughs> about. But I mean, that isn't, it can be stressful, right? You're my, you're, my husband just changes jobs all the time. What, what does she think? Yeah. Oh, yeah, she wasn't very happy. But each time I kind of had a, there was a reason behind each time I, I moved basically like when I moved to the, the really Japanese company, it, w it seemed like the right decision at the time because there was a lot of opportunity, but then you, and when you get it, before you get into a company, you really don't know until you get in there. So <clears throat> it's on a run way to really find out, I think. So <clears throat> true, true. How about what you, you you're making all these job changes. You must live in Tokyo, right? I mean, there's no other way you can do this, right? Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, cool, cool. Yeah, so and then uh, amongst all these job changes, I get, you you found a thing, a side kind of business. So why don't we start talking about that? Uh, why don't you explain to people what exactly that is? Uh yeah. So basically, I uh, sell my own branded products on Amazon Japan. So I just uh, I import, uh, I find products that sell well on Amazon, and then I order a whole bunch of products from bulk from uh, China. Uh, put my brand on it and then ship them into um, the Amazon warehouses here in Japan and then um, 
Yeah, solve them like that, basically. Yeah, so let me break it down in the layman's understanding, and you tell me if I'm saying something wrong. So let's say you 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 learn that uh, in Japan, uh, this certain type of pen, a pen holder, is selling really well. You'll go to China. You'll go to the Chinese. I'm mean, you're not going to China. You'll you'll order online the same pen holder, and then put Mitch Davis logo, whatever logo you choose, on it. Yeah. And then you'll sell it for the same price as they're always selling. The cheaper. You're just trying to get that same the, the same buyers to buy yours as well as the other ones that are already selling on Amazon? How does that work? Yeah, kind of. So basically you're trying to look – that's one of the most key points about the whole process is trying to find is product selection and product research. Um, what I do, yeah, I try and find products that I know already have been selling for quite a decent amount of time, and then I look for things that can have improvements or something like that on. So for example, if there's a pen holder, but what, there's a lot of um, customer reviews that say that, oh, the grip is too small or something like that. I'll talk to suppliers in China and see if we can kind of make some kind of pen holder, you know, that's got a stronger grip or something like that, improve upon it and then put it into Amazon and then um, try and sell it for maybe a little bit more or the same price, something like that, so you can beat out the competition. So Okay, and you, and you say every, anyone could do this. I mean, how much money does it take to, to get started, let's say, if, if, if someone's listening to this now and says, hey, I want to do that. How much money <laughs> do you think that you should have ready to, 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 to put into this to make it start, to, you know, try it? Yeah, well, it's, you've got to be serious about it. Um some, um, to be honest, I'd say you'd need a couple, like a thousand. If you're talking in Japanese yen, at yeah. least say Sanjuman was at three hundred thousand yen. I'd say at least to <clears throat> have a good go at it. So yeah. <clears throat> okay, so you're talking three thousand U.S. dollars about. Yeah, because ready. yeah, you're buying in bulk, and a lot of you know the suppliers will only accept like MOQ um, minimum order quantity of say like a thousand units or something like that. So you've got to prepare to buy a whole bunch of inventory. Uh, okay, okay. So let's get, let's give us the the blueprint here. So yeah, you Mitch Mitch has a, a YouTube channel helping people do the same thing. Um, so you know, give us a quick quick blueprint here. Let's say what 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 goes into putting something on your Amazon store. How do you kind of find what to sell? Give us the the walkthrough of that. Um, okay, so uh, so on Amazon Japan. Whenever you're going shopping on Amazon Japan, you will find a product page, right? And it'll show like the photos, and it'll have a description, a title, and things like that. And then also on each page, there's a thing called a BSR, Best Seller Ranking. Um, so what that means is basically that each category on Amazon, each product will have a BSR, and you can kind of gauge what BSR is, equates to around about how many sales uh, per day that a product sells. <clears throat> so then you, the trick is to finding out if there's enough depth, if there's enough sellers selling a similar product, but they maybe they have bad reviews or they have a bad product page that isn't very nice, something that you think that you can improve upon, then you can then try um, try and sort find a supplier in China or anywhere, find a, find a supplier at the end of the day, find a product, and then you can actually ship it directly from China direct to um, the Amazon warehouses throughout Japan, so you don't actually have to hold any inventory yourself which is the best part. And then so when it gets in there, Amazon, whenever a customer buys your product, Amazon will then pack and then ship your product for you. <clears throat> so you, once it's in there and your product page is up, it's kind of a, it's pretty hands off, you know, and you just sell, sell things automatically as customers buy them throughout the day. So yeah, you can't really, you don't do any advertising, right? Cause it's all on Amazon, right? Yeah, exactly. If you want to do advertising, you could, they, Amazon has their own kind of advertising system, but Basically, yeah, all the um, everything's done on Amazon. So, it's oh, okay. So it cool. seems like the magic is in that that research part, then, and finding the good items that sell a lot every day. 
yeah, at the end of the day, you don't want to buy a whole bunch of stuff and then no one wants it, you know. So you got to be careful. Okay, so what I mean, let's so what kind of things have you? Because this kind of seems like it's too okay. People listen right now. Hey, that sounds too easy, right? And also, since you're helping people do this, you know, some people say, you know, you're you're help you're selling the how to do it rather than you're making money by doing it, right? But you have <clears> you had success, right? You made some real money with this, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, so I I've been doing it for bit over two years now the first year was pretty tough because I had no one to teach me how to do it. I had to figure it out by myself and then um, yeah it did okay the first year now the second year I just I taught my friend who's in who's in New Zealand how to do it then he started having success as well so we decided to team up and um, kind of combine forces and now we do over a million yen a month kind of thing we're be 1.2 1.3 here in Japan in sales so <clears throat> that's sales, not profit. Like I think profit's about 30% of that, but that's still not too bad just for um, a couple of products. So, and that's each month. So <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that's definitely not, definitely not bad for the say So how, as hands off as it is. So, yeah. Um, so, what, so all you do is now you find a product. So what, what are the brand thing? You said you put your brand on it. Is that also done in the Chinese factory? You had to just add a brand, whatever. Is it some kind of, you're not trying to be like, I don't know what's the word. You're not trying to make a new brand that everyone knows, right? You're just trying to put us any kind of brand to make it different or what? Yeah, so there's kind of a couple of reasons why. One reason is to just make it a bit more unique. And the second reason why is because if you if it's just a generic product and you don't have your own brand or logo on it, it's a lot easier for, for um, other sellers to come in and kind of copy and get on your listing and like, undercut you and things like that. So it's for protection as well. <clears throat> mm -hmm, okay. So what, if you want to get your own logo, you can just go on, um, if you know, fiverr.com. Yeah get on go on there and you like pay someone five bucks and they can draw you up a logo and then you can just send the designs through to um your supplier and they can put it on for a couple of extra cents on your product or whatever so oh wow okay well that's yeah, interesting yeah yeah it's so pretty it's simple <laughs> it, so it sounds it sounds very easy i guess but what about the, the language skills what language skills do you need to make this happen right because you're talking to amazon japan you're talking to china so what, <laughs> what how do you do that yes yeah, so for china yeah they make sure that they can speak English. I can't speak Chinese. And then um, for on the Japan side, yeah, so you have to um, make your product pages up in Japanese. So if you can't speak Japanese, just find a friend or someone at the end of the day to help first just write out in English or whatever your language is and then get someone to translate it for you before you um, put the listing up on Amazon. So, <clears throat> Okay, so I'll put you on the spot. Can you share with us one item you have for sale right now so we can get an example of this? I'll put it on the show notes page. People can say, hey, this is one of Mitch's items and I can see what he's doing. <laughs> I, can't, I can't say the exact i can tell you what i sold last year and then yeah go for that that's that's fine that's fine okay the first the first product we well, i sold was a thing called a poison remover i don't know if you've heard of those before do you no, know what that is no no something for getting the poison out yeah, so <laughs> I, I never knew what they were until I found them. So it's basically this little kind of suction pump thing. So if you get bitten by a snake or a spider, you put it on your skin and then you pump it and it helps remove the poison from your body. Back in my day, These... we sucked that out <laughs> <laughs> with our own lips. But yeah, okay, that's I'm cool. Not that, I'm not that tough. Yeah, but... <laughs> But yeah, I found these things, and the, but the problem was that I found out that they only sell really during the um the summer, <clears throat> so when people go camping, hiking, and stuff like that. So in the summer, they they sold really good, but then when the when the winter came in, um <clears throat> the sales slowed down a lot. So we decided to um <clears throat> to just run out of stock and not um, reintroduce them anymore. So interesting, <clears throat> that's really cool. So I mean, yeah, something you'd never think about selling, but obviously you, you did your research and found something that was selling well, and you how, how many how many of those did you buy? What was your kind of inventory for that? Yes, uh, man, I went through about 2,000 of those, actually. 2,000, yeah. wow, that's pretty yeah. cool. I mean, uh, that's interesting. And then it just goes to your account like free money. So, so how much time, though, do you put in this a week, let's say? 
Uh, it all depends. Like at the moment, right now, we um, we're looking for the next product to launch. So the research phase takes the longest point. But once you've found a product, if you find a product, probably from like absolute zero to having it up and getting it selling every day, probably maybe three months it takes for a product. I'd say. <clears throat> okay, but I mean, let's. So what about your day to day, right? Because you know. You have a job right now and you got to do stuff, I'm sure. So is it something you have to spend an hour every day on, two hours every day, or just three hours a week? What do you think? Yeah, yeah, maybe just um, an hour a night, I guess. Maybe not even that. Maybe like three hours a week, something like that. Wow, okay. Well, yeah, <clears throat> I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, but, but what about and, and all the kind of customer complaints, all that stuff? You don't have to worry about it all, right? Uh, so if a customer contacts you, because if they've got questions and queries and things like that, they can email you or they can actually phone call you. <clears throat> and you have to have uh, a Japanese speaker available to respond. So if you can't speak Japanese, then you can actually pay like agencies, third party agencies to help you with that. And they, you can do it on like a case by case basis. But in general, like out of that two, those 2000 portion removers I sold, I think I got about four emails, I think. So it's pretty low. The number of um. <laughs> For me personally, you know, the number of um, inquiries you get yeah, is not very much. So wow, well there you yeah. go, guys. I mean, so what can we expect to find on your on your on your YouTube channel to to help us do this? Uh, yeah, so I just started. It's only been going for about a month and a half now. So I'm just, I'm still trying to figure everything out. I'm, um, I'm not a yeah, YouTuber by trade until yeah, six weeks ago. So I'm just trying to figure out what everyone wants to see. I just put up a video the other day on kind of a a step by step guide for beginners to kind of figure out how to do it and yeah i'm just kind of going to go from there and just give out tips and little pieces of advice of how to do it and i've got a facebook group as well where i try and help people as well so yeah so what's the name of that facebook group let's get people to, to people interested where can they go <coughs> yeah it's just called amazon uh, amazon japan exclusive and it's called yeah, uh fba sellers okay cool FBA sellers, yeah there you go guys so, i mean what's the what's the future outlook on this i mean is it is it something that scales? Do you keep grow, growing more? Do you invest everything back in? Or do you kind of take a bit home and keep investing what you have left over? How does that work? Yeah, exactly. It just kind of depends on the month at the end of the day. Um, so we actually launched one of our products, because that, one that's been selling good in Japan, we decided instead of introducing a new product, we just sell that in the UK. So we started, we moved, send a thousand units over the UK. And so that's one way you can grow. Otherwise, you can bring in new um, new products as well. So there's kind of two ways to go about it. So, yeah, hopefully um, in two years we won't um, be job hopping too much anymore. We can just rely on this if we want to. So. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. So yeah, anything else? I mean, I guess what do we what do we have left to cover? I mean, it sounds like so easy. And if we want to learn more, we go to your YouTube. Um, now you're rocking and rolling on a job. But you're probably going to jump from that pretty soon, though, right? Oh I mean, no, no, I'm staying, I'm staying in this job now. I'm, I'm happy where I'm at now. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you have no history of staying with the job, so we have to trust you on that. What, what makes your current job so good? I guess is a good question. Uh yeah, it's just a good job, and it's a good company, and I have it's it's Japanese, but it's very um international as well. I, I suppose you could say, and um yeah, just it's just interesting, and I enjoy it. So, <clears throat> what exactly are you doing your day to day? Is it still in the same field? Uh, so it's it's for used um, heavy machinery. So, but it's to do with um, auction yards. We're a big um, used heavy machinery auction house here in Japan. So, I get to work with um, uh, international customers, and then a lot of work to do with the auctions and things like that. So it's 
it's pretty cool. So, so you're one of the guys that goes there yelling out the numbers and stuff, or you just kind of? Uh, I haven't done that yet, but I might see if I can get into it and give it a shot, though. <laughs> yeah, it's always cool. And they, you know, the, I've seen the ones with the the fish. The fish ones are the best. You know, they're yelling numbers and you know yeah. what's going on. So it's, it's crazy. <laughs> but but all right, Mitch, I'll send everyone to your YouTube. If you if Mitch, if you search Mitch Davis selling on Amazon, it's the first thing that comes up, so you can definitely find it. Of course, go to his Facebook group, Amazon Japan exclusive. Thanks for coming on today, Mitch. Any last words, advice for people that might want to follow your path of of, of job hopping and make it a business <laughs> on the side, right? Come on, give us some of your final advice. Um, yeah, just um, keep an open mind, I guess. You know, some it can be pretty stressful, you know, changing jobs in Japan or looking for jobs. So if you can rely on yourself to make an income, it makes um, a lot less stressful, I think, at the end of the day. So doing something like this is definitely, you know, can be pretty beneficial, I guess, yeah. I guess, how did you kind of start, get started with this? Who, who did you learn this idea from, you know? Oh, I was just, just trying to search around on the internet a couple of years ago, figuring out how to, other ways to make money. And I just stumbled across this method. So, <clears throat> and here I am. There you go, guys. Mitch, you have a good night. Good luck with your future career endeavors. And uh, yeah, maybe I'll talk to you down the line when your, your empire grows. All right. Cheers, man. Thanks. I really hope you enjoyed today's Inside Japan podcast. Dive deeper into our world and learn more about what awaits you. Check out altinsider.com. And for regular, up to the minute job postings, check into jobsinjapan.com for the next big gig. Please tune in for our regular excursions into the world of Japan and good luck. Gambate! Japan.